Today, we are going to talk about motherhood and how to prepare for motherhood and parenthood. Wes is here yeah, to, to help that. as we talk about this. This is going to be an introduction. There is so much that you can do to prepare for the, the biggest change of your life. Um, and this is really scratching the surface. I have developed a course that is going to go so much deeper and give so much information. It has videos for what to do before you get to the hospital, what preparing while you're at the hospital, what to expect, and then expectations postpartum. Mm -hmm. I have videos for both mom and dad, and I have videos specific for the spouse, specific for your husband or partner, because men, Sorry, guys. They just don't know what to expect. They don't know how to serve you and how to help you. So this course is going to tell them exactly what to do. I have downloadable PDFs for what to pack for the hospital, um, vaccines to research before you get to the hospital, things that you you may not know are going to happen while you're there. So uh, listen to this episode. It's going to give you that introduction, but definitely go to 34weeks.com to get that entire course. I know that it's going to be so beneficial to you mamas out there. Yep. And you're still running your campaign for photo shoots. So if you want to book a photo shoot for Mother's Day, it doesn't have to be on Mother's Day. It can be around Mother's Day or down the road. Yep. If you are uh, located in North Alabama, you can go to tierwages.com forward slash book for a portrait session for Mother's Day. Cool. On to the episode. Welcome to I Get It, a podcast for the modern woman who doesn't want to live mediocre. We're balancing babies on our hips, typing out that important email and flipping pancakes at the same time. Not to mention keeping things steamy with our husbands right before we put our face mask on for the night. It's not easy and you are not alone. I'm your host, Tara Wages, and I get it. Welcome to the I Get It podcast. I'm your host, Tara Wages. This is my amazing man. Co-host. Co-host. Who sits over here and just says, yep. <laughs> Especially when we're talking about mother stuff. because <laughs> It's a very important job. And we are here today talking about how to prepare for motherhood. But really, we're talking about how to prepare for parenthood. Mm. Um, because it's, a, it's, I mean, I think people can do it on their own. But for sure, if you have a husband, it is a two-person job for sure. And we were not built for that. You, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't be a single mom. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be a very good single mom. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Um, and More. we have had four children of our own, um, ranging from the ages of six to one. So, little under two years apart. Kind of popped those suckers out once we decided to start. And yeah, I think we have some good insight. We did a lot yeah. in preparing to have our first baby. Um, we get asked a lot, which one rocks your world the most? You know, we have friends that maybe number three just really threw them for a loop or number two, you know, and for us really baby number one was our most difficult transition because of the life that we had led before. We are entrepreneurs who had been married for five years before having our first kid. We had traveled the world. Travel was a very, very big part of my identity I was a wedding photographer as well, working on the weekend. So I knew that was going to shift. There were a lot of things in my identity that shifted in becoming a mom and making that choice. It was a choice for us. It wasn't something that happened to us unexpectedly. And I think that those things definitely 
affect it. You know, if this is a surprise, if motherhood is a surprise for you, it does affect you, your identity, much differently than if it's planned. Um, and that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I don't believe any babies are a mistake or, or anything like that. Um, but you have to, your mindset has to change more quickly. And so we're going to talk all about these things today, some technical things and things you can do with your partner to prepare um, and, so, and some mindset changes. Yeah. Um, and, and I just want to start by talking about the technicalities. Just get these out of the way because many of you may have already done a few of these things. Um, but there are a couple of things that maybe you haven't researched yet or planned for that you need to get prepared for. And one of those is your birth plan of how you actually want this baby to come into the world. And I will say easily, <laughs> you do want it to come easily, but that is not the case for everyone. Right. Um, your birth plan is something that needs to be able to shift and change as things shift and change. Yes. We are recording this podcast during the coronavirus epidemic, and that has shifted a lot of women's birth plans. I, I personally know someone who she lives in New York and her husband wasn't even allowed to come into the hospital with her. She mm. had to birth. Her. Oh man, it just tears me up. She had to birth her baby and be there completely alone without him. And then the baby had to stay in the ICU. The husband didn't get me for days. The whole situation just makes me emotional. Yeah. Um, and so birth plans change. They adapt. But it is very good to know what your expectations are walking into that room and, and doing your research and knowing what you believe to be best for your body. Mm -hmm. Because um, you have that control. You have that control. You get to choose. And I think that's what a lot of women don't understand or realize. Right. They think, oh, I'm just going to do whatever the hospital tells me to do. Yeah. And that's or not. Or my mother tells me to do. Or my mom or, or whoever that influences. And that's not necessarily the case. You get to decide for yourself. And, and I want to start by saying that women, your bodies were literally made to do this. We were designed to create life and deliver a lot, you know, to feed our children, to do these things. So don't let anyone tell you, oh, you can't, you know, this isn't supposed to be this way. This is a medical thing. This it's not medical. It's, it's a very natural thing. Mm -hmm. And again, there are some things that, that could hinder some people. I, I had a friend whose hips could not deliver her baby and they ended up needing to do a C-section. And, and that doesn't mean her body wasn't designed to do this. She created a healthy life. Like her body was designed to do it, but thankfully we do have medical intervention when needed, but those are the key words when needed. Right. So in doing our research and, and deciding for ourselves, I had photographed many births. Um, I had been in a C-section, I had been in epidural births, and I had been in a natural birth. And for me in that experience of seeing a natural birth and doing the research of my body, I just really wanted to do a natural birth. Um, I wanted to see what I could do and, and pushing the, that my limit. And I'm also a personality type that I want to experience everything. Like, and when you set a goal to your, in your mind, you do it. Like, yes. No, I think you would literally just like, it's like death or do this. And you'd be like, <laughs> I'm going to do it. I, I don't know if that made sense. But when you put your mind to it, you do it. Yes. And, and, but a lot of that is because I want to experience things. I wanted yeah. to experience that life coming into the world and not be numb to it. And 
again, I get an epidural. I respect it. I, I you get it. I get it. I see why they exist in the world, and I don't think that that takes anything away. Um, but for my own personality, choosing to do that natural birth was paramount to me, and being able to go into my hospital and telling my nurses, my doctor already previously knew everyone was on the same page, so they knew. Don't ask me if I want an epidural. <laughs> they knew to let me be by myself and figure that out. They knew that I wanted to help determine monitoring and being checked and things like that. And because I had decided to do natural before getting to the hospital, I could prepare by having a labor partner, a doula in Mm -hmm. there with me. And had I not prepared or done my research prior to time, I wouldn't have known that I needed that additional support. And so if you're not familiar with doulas, a doula is a labor partner. They they are a medically trained professional. Um, again, check their credentials, check what they've done when you start doing your research for them. But they are there to assist you in your labor, help answer questions, support you in different positions, support your spouse. I think a doula is there for the husband just as much as he is she is for the wife. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, she's there to make sure that everything is going well and like, hey, she's been there before. She's there to answer the questions. She's there to help kind of answer to the nurses for you if you're not able to in the moment, but also for the spouse, I think it's just a huge relief because I don't have to be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, a friend of ours, <laughs> they went to labor in the middle of the night. They couldn't get a hold of their doula at that exact time. So they called me and I went to the hospital to be with them until their doula got there because the dad just needed that support. He needed to know I'm not in this alone and everything that's happening is normal and okay. Yes. And um, and so that is really a part of the role of the doula. Also, um, I've given, um, I've had M&Ms in my purse for a dad that was about to pass out <laughs> that helped him. So and, good job, mom. That's one centimeter. <laughs> yeah. You get an M&M. Well, the dad was getting a little pale that, you know, and um, he had not eaten anything that day. Let's just uh, preface this, but you have M&Ms in your purse at all times. <laughs> I am literally candy wrappers in your pockets at all times. That is very, very true. Um, yes, but so creating that birth plan is important to do and to do your research prior to walking into the hospital yeah. to know what you want. And know that it will change. And and be okay with change and that you are not a failure when it does. Right. Um, The next thing to research ahead of time is deciding if you want to try breastfeeding or not try breastfeeding. I will say that breastfeeding was more difficult for me than actually even having the natural birth. Um, It did not come easily to me the first time, and I needed a lot of support through that. There are free resources in your own community from uh, lactation consultants to the La Leche League that will come and help you get that correct latch, that will coach you through it. If you don't feel like your milk production is correct, they can give you supplements and tell you what you should do to increase your milk production. But knowing before you go in there what you want to try, because again, I, I knew that I wanted to, but they were immediately trying to give me nipple shields and Um, At one point, I was like attempting to nurse our first baby, and I looked down, and there were, not exaggerating, there were six other hands on my boobs. Mine were not. There were six hands touching me and the baby, and I thought, 
how the hell am I supposed to do this when I get home by myself? <laughs> you know, and invite the friends over. Yeah. Um, and so know that that process is not easy and it takes a lot of determination and pushing through. I will say in pain in pain. If you can get through those first three months of breastfeeding, it gets so much easier from there. Um, and dads support your wife, your spouse, your partner during that time, um, and just be there to assist them. It is frustrating for a dad because the dad's like, hey, I want to do, I want to help. I want to make sure that the baby's getting enough food. And I don't know how much the foods the baby's getting because we can't see it. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, there are things called weighted feeds as well that, you know, if you really need to get to that point, you know. To get a scale, you can weigh your baby before you feed them, feed them and weigh after to make sure they're getting the nutrients that they need. Yeah, that's a great point. But just support them and say, hey, I'm here for you. What can I do to help? Yes. Not, what are you doing? You're not doing it right. Right. And I did that, honestly, and I regret it. But um, thanks for pushing through that. Yeah. Uh, and also tongue ties. Uh, that's something that we found out. I feel we could have found out that before, but um, I've shot a whole course with a doctor in, L in uh, Birmingham about this, Dr. Baxter. Uh, he is great. Um, and I learned a whole lot about tongue ties. Um, it just it blew my mind. And so if you are having a hard time uh, nursing uh, just with breastfeeding, there might be a tongue tie there. You can, uh, Alabama Tongue Tie Center is where he is. And just highly recommend just researching it. Not that you have to do it, but. Right. And. And bottom line, fed is best. I mean, again, I, I know some friends that breastfeeding, either their body wasn't producing healthy milk for their baby. You know, it wasn't weighty enough for their baby and they needed to go to formula or They're it was taking skim milk, <laughs> truly, yeah. or it was taking a literal mental toll on them. Yeah. The, it was affecting their depression level, their postpartum, and it is not worth that um taking care of yourself mentally is priority over anything else and fed is best there there are such new products and formulas and different types of milk that you can buy there are breast milk banks that you can get things from that are just incredible so i i mainly talk about breastfeeding because i i love when women will at least try to see if it's a good fit for them um, and, and getting the, the help you, you can get. There's, mm -hmm. There are resources, there's help available if you're interested. But again, don't beat yourself up if that's not part of it. Make sure that baby's gaining weight. Make sure that baby is gaining weight and healthy, and that is your priority always. Um, so those are the two things leading in, kind of the last things to research going into it. Of course, there are other things to research, um, but don't get too overwhelmed in yeah. the beginning, you know? Um, the next things that I want to touch on are family, you know, whenever you are having a baby, it is your experience. And I, I'm holding Wes's arm. It is you and your partner's experience, but you have parents. He has parents. It is an experience for your entire family to go through together. And so it is important leading up to it to talk about boundaries and setting those boundaries up for what is going to be good and healthy for you. And, and that really does start with your hospital experience of do you want people there in the waiting room for right after you have the baby? How long do you want to wait before they come back? Do you want to have, we know someone who didn't allow anyone at the hospital at all until they got home. 
Um, and, and so talking to your partner about what is going to be best for you. Um, so you can go ahead and set that up. I personally preferred for people to come to the hospital instead of to my home. Because at the hospital, it was a controlled environment. They wouldn't stay for very long. Um, you don't just come to the hospital and hang out for an hour. You know, like usually you come in, you bring something, they see the baby, and they can leave. And um, and also, I need to note that right now we are in the middle of the coronavirus. And so I would just keep people away, period. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but just in normal circumstances, knowing what is best for you, making sure hands are washed. And really that is a part of the husband's job at that point. When someone enters your home or enters the hospital room for him to, to make sure and say, Hey, don't forget to use hand sanitizer or wash your hands before you come in. And yeah, I like for people to come to the hospital. They don't stay very long and I didn't feel like I had to entertain them. Versus when they came to my home, they would come and sit on the couch. I had to get up, open the door for them, let them in. Baby goes to sleep. They want to chit chat. I want them to leave. I'm exhausted. And so kind of letting your husband be that, you know, kind of filter people out, answer those text messages. And you to decide going in, who do we want to tell? Yeah. Who do we want to text to let them know we're in labor, we're not in labor, and, and setting those boundaries up of what you want yeah, ahead I of time. I'm communications for director sure. for the uh, birth. A hundred percent. And also, you know, families have to realize that if you are going to try natural birth, that it could take an hour. It could take 48 hours. It could take 72 hours. And so families don't need to be getting frustrated that is not coming out in an hour, right? So you need to let them know that, hey, I'm doing natural birth. This is your option if you want to come to the hospital because the grandparents are going to be up there the first minute they hear. Literally the very first second they hear. Yeah. But it might be 48 hours later. So yes. they just need to prepare for that. You need to say, hey, I'm not going to feel guilty for birthing my child 100%. if you're not comfortable in the waiting room for that long. Yes. And and I will add to that. That's a really good point that... Um, Things happen. You know, after we had our first baby, I knew that I wanted to try to nurse her immediately. And so I did. And then they, because I'd had a natural birth, they wanted me to get up to use the restroom. So as I was getting up to go pee, I passed out. I completely blacked out, scared everyone in the room to death. And um, then, so it, it took us a while. My family knew the baby was here, but it was still probably two-ish hours mm -hmm. after she came out that they even were allowed to come back. And I knew they were getting frustrated. But guess what? It wasn't about them. Right. In that moment, it was about me and my body healing, me trying to nurse our baby, and Wes getting to be there to support his wife and his child and experience those first hours of their child's life. These hours are precious. Do not feel rushed. Do not feel pressured. And that is why knowing these boundaries and, and feeling firm of like, this is about you before you go into it helps so much. Yeah. And I will say that to then add to give grace. Yeah. Also remembering that they are so excited. And so while you have your boundaries set up, when they are asking to see their baby, your baby, know it is in a place of love. And to instead of be annoyed by it, being like, oh my gosh, just leave me alone. Um, to understand like, I'm so lucky that I have grandparents that want to be in my children's life. I am mm -hmm. so lucky. I have to do what is best for me right now. But I can say that in a place of love to say, 
yes, I want you to be a part of this. I want you to see it. And this is when you can. Yeah. Um, and a good little idea is that not immediately text and say, Hey, baby's here. Yes. Just <laughs> wait until they're able to come back. So if you needed that two hours afterwards and be like, Hey, baby is here. Actually, you know, the birth was two hours ago, but we just wanted to have that. So then <laughs> they they're not getting know. their hopes up. They're not getting antsy. A hundred percent. They think this still birthing process For is still happening. Sure. Yes. And, and I will say that men, um, I, I hope that the both partners are listening to this. Um, this is your role. You, the woman is birthing the baby. She has her duty. You are, like Wes had said, communications director. Um, you're the liaison between your wife, your partner, and your family. So she can probably handle her own mom. Um, there may be times that she asks you, like, hey, tell my mom this or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you are responsible for your mom and dad and family. Please do not put your partner, your bride, in the situation of having to tell her mother-in-law, I don't want you to come right now. That is your responsibility as, as the husband, as the son to do that by both respecting. And in that moment, you are choosing your wife. You are choosing her needs. And I'm not saying don't ever defend your mom or, or anything like that, but respecting your wife's needs and communicating them to your mom in a very loving way of like, we want you to be here. This is when you can come. Or if she's, you know, I know a few mother-in-laws that come and stay for a few days after. And I think that's incredible if a mother-in-law is willing to do that. But for the husband to say like, hey, instead of holding the baby the whole time, like, your expectation of being in our home for a few days after is to help do the dishes and the laundry and the cooking and, and helping our home function. You're not just here to be a cuddle bug because those first few days are all about bonding between the mom, dad, and baby. And it is your job as the man to put those boundaries in place. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so keep in mind that this is your baby. But for grandparents, this is their baby too. It is a piece of them, you know, and I think that is so beautiful. So just don't be annoyed when they're excited about it. Yeah. Um, I just, I see that so much. Like, like, why are you annoyed that your mom loves your kid? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just drives me a little insane. And, and this is coming from two people like we understand. We both have in-laws. We get it, you know. I get it. We get it. <laughs> Okay, the next thing, and this is one of the, the biggest areas that we want to talk about, is your marriage and preparing for this creature, this human, to come in. You know, it's been the two of you for however long that has been. It may, you may have just met three months ago and now you're having a baby. Um, <laughs> but up to this point, it has just been the two of you. You just met, but you're having a baby well, in you three were, months. You, no, well, you met three months, then you got pregnant, and now <laughs> yeah. you're having a baby. Yep. Um, that was a fast path. <laughs> the fast track. You know what you wanted. Um, and so getting yourselves on the same page, we definitely live by the rules in our home that our relationship is the number one priority in our home. It is the number one relationship. And we love and serve our kids by making our relationship number one. They are in a healthier space because their dad is my priority. Mm. I'm a better mom because of that. That's huge. And so setting a foundation for the two of us leading into this, because kids will rock your marriage. They will rock your world. And if you let them, they can, it, you can go one way or the other, honestly. <laughs> They're fighting for the attention more than 
anybody else in the household. Yes. You know what I mean? Well, and you're exhausted. You know, yeah. I, can, I can remember one night, this was very early on, and I was so tired. And Olive woke up in the middle of the night, and she was just crying, crying, crying. And I honestly, I felt like my body couldn't move. I felt like I could not move. And we started being snippy with each other. He is tired too. And we are snapping at each other. And I was like, she's turning us against each other. <laughs> you know, like I just felt like she was just like trying to just wedge herself. And we're talking about a three-week-old baby, you yeah. know. Um, and it is, it's just so easy in your exhaustion to snap at each other and not understand. And you're dealing with hormones and emotions and all of these things and sleep deprivation, sleep deprivation. So having a couple of conversations before that baby comes helps these expectations in the process. Yes. And so the first thing I encourage couples to sit down and talk about is their fears. You both have fears. You both have things that are wedged in the back of your mind that you may not have said out loud yet. And to sit down and say, I am scared that you are not going to be attracted to my body after I have this baby Mm. and getting that out. I'm trying not to be emotional. even just saying that out loud now or for a husband to say like, I am scared that you're not going to connect with me, that you're not going to have sex with me after this baby. You'll make our child a priority and leave me to the side. Yes. Or not let me be a dad. You know, because that's legitimate, right? Yeah. You have the more motherly instincts and this is your baby, right? That, yes. That you won't let me kind of be a dad too. Yeah. I am scared that my birth plan is not going to go well and that I'm going to have to have an emergency C-section or I'm scared there's going to be something wrong with my baby. I am scared that my mom is going to drive me insane. You know, I am scared that our house is going to be messy all the time. You can have fears all over the spectrum they do not necessarily just have to be deep and dark and heavy and you know they can be as small and minute um all the way to like i'm scared that i'm gonna bleed out you know i'm scared that i could hemorrhage something could happen to me those are all fears that should be talked about in a safe environment and i'm going to say a couple of things specifically about this when your spouse is telling you their fears one, never say, oh, well, that's that's dumb or that's not going to happen. Your job in that moment is to listen, absorb it, and support them. And, and it's important to talk about because if I know that Wes's fear is that I'm not going to have sex with him again, after the baby comes, and obviously this is after the healing process. Six weeks, guys. Six no, that's not necessarily true. I did not get the okay at six weeks with Olive. Um, <laughs> but after the healing process, if I know that, that his fears that I'm no longer going to make him a priority, that that's something I can think about. I can try to alleviate that fear by knowing, okay, this is his fear. How can I help him overcome that? How can I help not contribute to that? If my fear is that I'm not going to be able to nurse my baby, he's going to know, don't put any added pressure onto her. Don't talk down to her when she's trying to nurse. I need to support her with everything I have because this is a priority for her. And so knowing each other's fears helps us support each other moving forward. And it just opens our eyes to the depths of our partner's love and support and emotions. And it just is a way to connect with each other. Yep. 
The next conversation that I really think is important to have, and I would do these on two separate nights, I would not do them at the same time, is to talk about expectations. We all have expectations going into certain things. And, you know, you you have the expectations like, I'm going to have this baby. It's going to be easy. It's going to be great. Um, but there are things that it's important that we know what each other's expectations are for us. Um, because I think that's where a lot of fights come from yeah. is when expectations aren't met. And so we sat down and we we talked about like what I could expect from Wes. And this is Wes telling me what I could expect from him. And so I'll go through just a few examples of what we did with each other. So Wes told me a couple of things I could expect him from me is for him to keep me fed. Um, that sounds so simple, <laughs> but... Truly, when Wes started going back to work, there were, I can't remember, like, all of, she never would nap. It was like a 20-minute nap. And I remember having to sit there and think, I'm either going to pee, because it took me 20 minutes at the time to pee. Mm -hmm. I'm either going to pee, I'm going to take a shower, or I'm going to eat a sandwich. And I felt like at that time, I had to choose which one I was going to do. And so for Wes, he got up every morning. He made me oatmeal because oatmeal helps with milk production. He, and I only like still cut at the time. So he spent 30 minutes making my oatmeal every single morning. And yeah. he would make my lunch. He came home and made dinner. He kept me fed because he knew that feeding me fed the baby. And that was a priority. It was one less thing for me to worry about. I could expect for Wes to keep our home in order and picked up. The first few, and I'm, I'm talking about the first couple of weeks. Again, uh, the wife, her body is healing. She has just gone through a major surgery trauma. Even if it was natural, it is still surgery. I mean, you're coming back from a major healing process. And so I could expect him to just keep things in order, keep things organized where I wasn't feeling overwhelmed by clutter or stuff in our home. Um, I could expect from Wes to be the liaison between me and his family, that he was going to be that communications director. And and I could expect from him to not pressure me to to do certain things. And um, yeah, those were just a few of the things that I could expect from Wes. Mm -hmm. um, things that Wes could expect from me. And this was me telling him that. He could expect me to cry a lot for no reason. And I wanted him to know that ahead of time so he wasn't surprised by it. The postpartum journey can be a very hard, lonely, dark place. And I don't say that to scare you. I say that to prepare you so you know to get help and so your husband knows what to expect. Um, and Wes is, bless him, he's made lots of postpartum moms cry. There have been like four times that we've seen a friend that had just had a baby and he's like, Hey, how are you? And she just literally starts crying. <laughs> she does. This has happened. Not exaggerating. Don't even talk to pregnant women or <laughs> no, postpartum women. Just don't say true. a word. Just be that like, is not true. They just cry a lot. <laughs> and so he could expect me to cry for no reason. Yeah. And for him to don't ask me why. I don't know why it just happens. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things that he could expect from me. He could expect me to let him learn how to soothe our baby. Yeah. And this was something that he had asked for. He had come to me and said, Hey T, I want to learn how to take care of our kid. I want to sit next to them at the dinner table. Like I don't want 
to not be a part of our kids' lives. And and we have had friends that the mom did every single thing. And and I think some of that is she wanted to be in control. She could do it better. The kid respond, you know, the kid responds to a mom better, but he wanted to learn how to do those things. So I knew that I needed to step back and let her cry sometimes. I needed to step back and let him figure it out, even though I knew I could fix it within three seconds. Mm. I can do it super quick and it's over with, but he needed to learn how to do it. And so he could expect me to let him learn how to do that. It's like an entry into like uh, parenting, you know what I mean? Before they're like two years old, you're like having to parent the dad, you know what I mean? Be like, okay, just let him do it. Yeah. It'll be okay. He may fall off the bicycle, but they're going to learn. Yeah. Dads are not going to get it perfect the right time. The diaper may be wonky. The kid may pee out of the diaper. Like there are so many things, but I will say that setting that foundation early on, now we are a partnership in, in our children growing up. Because it wasn't just me taking control all of the time because I could do it better, me giving up that control a little bit, it then relieved me because he eventually learned how to do it. So I wasn't parenting alone. I can leave my husband with four kids and know he's okay. I can go have a girl's morning or or do whatever I want to do because he can handle it. He actually Still handles it. Still in training it. though, I will say. He handles it better than I do. <laughs> um, so I can let him learn how to sue the baby. Wes could expect from me to not do anything for weeks, literally. Like that was what I said. You can expect me to literally not do anything but take care of that child for several weeks. And there was a day he came home and I can remember just being like, I haven't put my shirt on all day. <laughs> like that baby had just nursed all day, which I've now learned that that's not supposed to be that way. Like babies are only supposed to feed for 30 minutes because then they lose calories anyway. I, that's what I was like, I've done nothing but sit on the couch and nurse this baby all day today. Um, so he could expect that. But I also told him, as soon as my body heals, you can expect me to put forth effort. Like, I want you to be able to see that shift. And as soon as I know I can do it, I'm going to step up and join this partnership for our home again and cook and clean and, and, and do the things that we tend to do together. So know that although there will be weeks that I don't, know that I'm going to come back and, mm-hmm. and just hold on to that moment that you carrying this weight isn't going to last forever. You can expect me to still make you priority and to have sex with you once my body is healed. Um, and I wanted him to know that ahead of time to know, like, again, this season isn't going to last forever. You can have faith and assurance that I will come back and I will do this. And so Milo's a year and a half. You think you're ready yet? Stop. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that it takes true. a long time, but it's not true. Um, and so we sat down and we both made our lists individually and then brought them together. And, and we had them written out like in the note section where we could refer back to them if we lose sight, if we forget. So we could just stay with each other and knowing like these are the things that you can expect me to do. Um, husbands, you can expect your wives to take a long time going to the bathroom. That's a small thing, but you need to expect that. Um, You're going to see her in a way that is more vulnerable than you you can even understand. Um, And loving her through Mm -hmm. those moments. um, I mean, Wes standing over me as I'm trying to use the bathroom and him using the like Perry dish, trying to clean my vagina, you know, like, that is a vulnerable place to be. Um, 
And so connecting in that way is very, very important. And also never saying anything about your wife's body in a hurtful way. It, if this time for a husband is difficult, if it is hard for you um, to see your wife's body like that, you may need to reach out to a counselor. You may need to reach out to someone to help you through that um, because she doesn't need to carry that weight. And you should be viewing your wife just as strong as she is. Yeah, I've strength heard, and powerful woman. Yes. Like, but I mean, things I've, change. I've heard men saying negative, and I just want to hit them in the face. Um, hit them in the vagina. Be dude. Like, see what it does to you? Yeah. Well, and also, husbands, you this is a time for you to protect your marriage. And if you do start struggling mentally with sex or, or anything like that, you need to seek help. You need to find a way to protect your wife from anything outside. I think that is so, so important um, in a conversation that you definitely should have ahead of time. Yeah, communicate. Yeah, you won't be having sex for at least six weeks. Just plan for plan for that to be the least. Yeah, at the minimum. Maybe longer than that. Yes. Um, and so those are some of the, the basic marriage things. Um, and I, I want to talk about postpartum. Husbands, if you do notice that your wife, there, there are different levels. There are the baby blues, and then there is um, postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression. If it reaches a point where your wife is feeling a lot of anger, like more than just little moments of anger, or her crying isn't just moments, but it is controlling her if she's unable to get out of the bed, if she seems detached from the baby or detached from you, ask for help. There is no shame in that. That postpartum depression, anxiety is so real and it affects so many more women than than what we know. Yeah. Um, and it's because people are afraid to talk about it or afraid to ask for help. But husbands, your wife may not know how to ask for help. She may not know how to, to get that. And if you notice these things in a very sensitive way, you may say, Hey, let's go see the doctor, you know, and, and, or let's talk to a doctor about this. I want to help you. I want to be your team. And, and I don't think you have to be walking through this alone. Um, and then personally for, for the lady of things to prepare for, I'll do these quickly. One, the comparison trap. Um, this is not the time to be on Instagram looking at these other humans posting pictures of their perfect baby and their perfect swaddler in their all white room and their bonnets and da 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 da. <laughs> what you don't see on the other side of that camera is a mom in sweatpants with her belly hanging out and her nipples bleeding and her hair soaking wet because she finally got out of the shower. So know whenever you are finding yourself comparing of I'm not doing this as good or she's look at her. She's only two weeks postpartum and her stomach is flatter than mine. You don't see the girdle that she's wearing underneath her clothes. You don't know what she has done with her body prior to that moment. It is not a time to be comparing. And if you need to get off of social media in that time, do it. Protect yourself from that. Letting go of perfectionism. Um, and this is very difficult, letting go of the control and knowing things aren't going to go smoothly every single second and giving yourself grace in those moments and picking up back the next day. Every day is new. And that's why I, I, I love that. I love that every day I get to start and be like, yesterday was 
hell and I sucked and I cried and I did this, but I get to start fresh tomorrow and I'm going to learn and I'm going to move forward. And so just letting go of what you think things are supposed to be. I can remember before I was a mom, I see little kids and their hair was like, just brush your kid's hair. Seriously, brush your child's hair. It looks terrible. And now I don't brush my kid's hair. Like I, I don't. Think it's cute. Because it's so cute to me. <laughs> I think my little two-year-old with his little curly hair that looks like our Einstein, I think it is so cute. Where before that would have been perfectionism to me. I felt like it was, should have been brushed perfectly. And letting go of that, I'm able to like enjoy life in a different way. Yeah. And then lastly, finding your tribe. And this is finding your friends. If you can't say the word vagina to your friends, you need a friend you can say the word vagina to. You need somebody that you can talk about your nipples bleeding, that you can talk about, you know, peeing all over yourself, that you can share these things with, that they can come alongside of you and be there and help you through it. And same for men. Men, you are there to support your wife, but you also, you need other men in your life that are in healthy relationships, that are great dads that can you can look to for that support and, and that confidence. And you can say the word vagina too. You can say the word vagina too. Um, and ladies, if you don't have that, I highly encourage you to get a doula. Even if you are planning to do um, an epidural and you're not going natural or a C-section, whatever, that doula is there for your emotional support. She is there to walk through this process with you. So you are not alone. We are not meant to do this alone. And so, yes, those are, those are like... The quickest, that's the quickest way that I can tell you of how to prepare for motherhood um, and know that you are alone. It is a beautiful, beautiful place to be, but it also can be very lonely at times. It can be very difficult, um, but the rewards that you will get, you will think, if I don't go to sleep soon, I will die because I'm that tired. And then your kid's little mouth is going to halfway twitch or it's not even a smile, but it's going to twitch just enough where you can think it's a smile and you'll think, oh, I can keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I can do this. That's the cutest thing I've ever seen. It's a sign of life. Yes. They, they kind of trick you in that way. So ladies, if, if you need a guide, if you have additional questions or need support, I am here. I am honestly an open book and we'll, and we'll answer any question that yes. you have. But also don't forget, I have a course that is designed specifically for the season. I actually filmed the course while I was pregnant with my third baby. And there are bonuses in the course that even talk about how to take pictures of your kid at the hospital and at home. There are so many resources in there. So go to 34weeks.com to download that course um, and reach out to me, Tira Wages on Instagram. Um, I can, I would love to answer any of your questions and be there for you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you share this with another friend that is expecting another mom to be. Um, sit down with your partner and have a couple of date nights and go over these things and um, leave us a review. That yeah. would be so helpful. So thank you so much for being here. Life is a little crazy and I know you feel a little crazy especially when you feel like someone has taken a baseball bat to the underside of your vagina. I get it. You are not alone. I don't get it. <laughs> Be happy and love each other. Peace.